With things changing so rapidly by state and municipality, marketing content can't go through 12 weeks of approval on copy and creative. So speed to market has become one of the most important differentiators. And as a result of that, what we're seeing is more and more marketing departments stand up agile teams that meet daily and sometimes multiple times per day. And those teams include senior leadership so that things can get approved quickly. You're listening to Retail Remix, your inside access to candid conversations with the people shaping retail's future. Here's your host, Alicia Esposito. Hey, everyone. We got another great conversation lined up for today's episode, this time with Julio Lopez, who is the Director of Retail Strategy for Movable Inc. And he's been having some fascinating conversations with retail marketers as of late. Obviously, a lot of folks are dealing with furloughs, layoffs, tasks to do more with less. But at the same time, there are some really exciting opportunities for retail marketers and experience orchestrators to use brand messaging and personalization to create these highly immersive brand experiences. So for today, we're going to dig into all of the nuts and bolts, all of the tools in the toolbox, so to speak, that he thinks will be critical as we start to think about holiday. Although a lot of things are still up in the air, consumer behavior is still changing and preferences evolving, he provides a really great starting point, I think, for brands that are looking to reassess and develop their strategies for the next quarter and for holiday. So get ready to jot down a lot of notes because you're not going to want to miss a single word that Julio has to say. Julio, great to have you on the pod. Thanks so much for taking the time today. Before we dig into the meat of our conversation, we have a lot to talk about. Let's start with the basics. Uh, Why don't you share a little bit about yourself and most importantly, Movable Inc.? Sure. Uh, And thank you for having me. I'm very excited for the opportunity to add my thoughts and point of view to the truly amazing roster of guests you've had on the Retail Remix podcast. So I've been in the digital marketing industry for the last 10 years, working on the technology vendor side. And my roles have really focused on ensuring customer success by helping clients make the most of their marketing technology investments. So more specifically, They focused on creating strategic frameworks and roadmaps to help them meet the KPIs of C-suite initiatives. So I've been very fortunate to have partnered with many different brands that run the gamut of retail. So brands like Men's Warehouse, Foot Locker, eBay, L Brands, really spanning everything from D2C to grocery to big box to specialty retail. And over the years, I worked for different SaaS companies that provided solutions to support pillars like channel marketing, pricing, promotion, merchandising, and personalization efforts. And after spending some time with Carrefour in Europe, I came back to the U.S. and joined Movable Link to head up the retail strategy practice. So my role is to partner with senior leadership at different retailers to identify the best ways for them to communicate with their customers in order to drive brand loyalty. So I serve as a strategic consultant to help outline communication strategies that capture share of mind and share of wallet. So on that note, to give our listeners a little bit of background on Movable Inc., at a very high level, we are a SaaS solution that enables digital marketers 
to deliver hyper-personalized content every time an individual engages with the brand. So whether that's through email, websites, or the mobile app, our technology allows brands to activate any and all consumer data, regardless of where it lives, and use that data for personalization in order to deliver a better end-user experience. So, you know, what was exciting for me when joining Movable Inc. is that previously I'd worked with technologies that address very specific needs, but the Movable Inc. platform really acts as an aggregator of silent data sets, which really allows me to ideate on impactful strategies regardless of channel or device. So the short version of it is that the Movable Inc. platform integrates across a client's existing tech stack to help them make the most of those investments and activate the disparate data sets that exist in order to deliver highly personalized visual experiences in real time. Fascinating. Yeah, we're going to dig into a lot of those layers because one, I think marketing, the new rules of marketing is such a big topic right now. It's so critical, I think, for all of the folks listening right now. And number two, all you have to say is strategy and I'm there. I think we can uh, have a lot of fun for our conversation (laughs) today. So let's start at the high level around what types of conversations you're you're having today since you are so focused on, you know, guiding brands and retailers at, at a strategic level, helping them kind of create these personalized visual experiences in, in, in a scalable and effective way. I could assume that you're having some pretty fascinating conversations right now, maybe around pivoting or, or adapting strategy. But I mean, you, you tell me what 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 topics or concerns are, are kind of rising to the top right now? Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting few months. So I'd say that there's three topics that we have been discussing with different marketing teams. And those have been doing more with less, customer retention strategies, and planning for holiday. So let me start by saying that the conversations have evolved drastically over the last few months. You know, there isn't a marketing during a pandemic playbook. Each individual brand and marketing team had to figure things out on their own. So at the onset of the pandemic, there was a focus on over-communicating on a couple of key pillars, which included things like what the brand was doing to keep customers and employees safe, as well as providing information on product availability, store updates, and different ways to shop. But inside of those messages was the real marketing content, which looked to connect the product to the new reality. So for example, we saw beauty brands marketing their products as a new routine to pass the time while at home. And we saw home goods retailers really dial up the message on making your work from home experience more comfortable. Some brands had this really natural fit that allowed them to pivot their message and value proposition quickly whereas others really had to stop and think about how their products fit with the new reality. So most of the conversations we had at the onset of the pandemic were outward looking. It was all about what are other brands doing? We need to be doing the same. And this resulted in a sea of sameness. We saw the same CEO emails. We saw the same attempts at making the brand's product category relevant to the pandemic. So what has shifted now is that brands are looking inward in an effort to find ways to remain resilient. There was a lot that we didn't know at the beginning of the pandemic, including how long it would last. So now that it has lasted for so long and that we're seeing the initial long-term effects, there's a number of topics that we're actively discussing. But all of it ladders up to how can our business innovate in order to survive? So the first topic that I mentioned was doing more with less. 
So there's been significant layoffs and furloughs in the marketing departments at many retailers. But those teams are increasingly expected to outperform and help make up for lost demand. And for brands with physical presence, these digital teams were suddenly shouldering most, if not all, of the business. So the conversations now are around implementing agile ways of working, given that the teams are much, much leaner. With things changing so rapidly by state and municipality, marketing content can't go through 12 weeks of approval on copy and creative. So speed to market has become one of the most important differentiators. And as a result of that, what we're seeing is more and more marketing departments stand up agile teams that meet daily and sometimes multiple times per day. And those teams include senior leadership so that things can get approved quickly. And the strategic output of these agile teams has been a focus on how to leverage technology to cement these new agile ways of working once we arrive to the new normal. And given Movable Inc.'s ability to integrate across a tech stack, we've become cornerstones of that agile strategy. And then I'd say the second topic of conversation is around digital customer retention. So across industries, we are seeing more and more net new and first-time digital users. And this is largely due to three key factors. The first factor is the most obvious one. So as physical retail came to what was effectively a standstill, many consumers had no choice but to go digital. But secondly, there's been a significant increase in brand switching. Consumers are simply being more fluid in their shopping behaviors. They're exploring different shopping methods and they're exploring different brands. And that's either because of necessity due to a lack of product availability or due to economic uncertainty or unemployment. And sentiment surveys are indicating that consumers expect these fluid shopping behaviors to continue. So now we're seeing an erosion of loyalty amid declining sales and a more unpredictable digital customer. And the third factor leading to this increase in digital customers stemmed from increased promotional competition. So many new customers were acquired due to this increased promotional activity. So as we mentioned before, digital teams were tasked with making up lost physical retail demand. So a lot of retailers resorted to markdowns, coupons, and discount codes to help drive conversions. Even luxury and affordable luxury, which are more selective on markdowns, were putting their inventories on sale. So given all of this, many retailers are trying to figure out how to retain these net new and new to digital customers. And the challenge that they're facing is really twofold. First, given the fact that these customers are new, brands don't know enough about them to personalize marketing messages in the most effective ways. And secondly, the fluid shopping behavior means that brands have a much shorter window within which to drive conversions. So, you know, the the reality is that the fundamental rules of retailing are still the same. Smart retailers understand that educating and inspiring customers to make additional purchases requires building a brand affinity that isn't premised solely on supply and demand. It has to be a personalized customer experience. But it's difficult to personalize when the customer is new. So from my end, the conversation has been focused on strategies to deliver that personalization in those initial digital communications. And I'd say the final topic that is top of mind is preparing for the Q4 holiday season. So many retailers are hoping that Q4 will be a turning point for 2020. 
But the reality is that we have no concrete idea on what to expect. You know, COVID cases are the highest they have been since the onset of the pandemic. Many local governments are walking back their reopening mandates. And the results of the presidential election could be the catalyst for a market correction. And to further complicate any type of prediction we might try to make, we've just seen firsthand how fragile our supply chains are. And if there's another outbreak, it's difficult to say what we can expect. The world's largest companies or their suppliers have more than 12,000 operations facilities, whether that's factories or warehouses, in the areas that were the most hard hit by COVID-19. And if there's a resurgence, we don't know what inventory retailers are going to have in stock in Q4. And on the flip side, assuming there is no resurgence in the fall, the traditional buying cycle is not being followed. So typically June and July is when buyers place their orders for holiday, but either that's not happening or many orders are being canceled. So we don't really know what consumers will be shopping for based on the shifting attitudes or what will actually be available based on supply chain challenges. So this is creating a nightmare for marketing operations. So we can see that resiliency planning is becoming more and more important, and those are the conversations that we're leading. And in those conversations, there's one thing that is clear, and that is that every strategy is data dependent. So the work being done now is to create data accessibility pathways that will allow the marketing teams to quickly pivot strategies and content based on whatever's happening in the market. So I know that was a bit of a long-winded answer, but to summarize, there's three key conversations. It's doing more with less, it's customer retention strategies and planning for holiday, all the while accounting for shifting consumer behaviors. Yeah, it's definitely a lot to unpack, but I think it really speaks to not just the depth, uh, like how deep this situation goes and all of the, the different components of retail strategy and operations that it affects, but I feel like it almost reaffirms how much these things are connected, especially now. So take into account, like you said, the fact that consumer behaviors pivoted quickly in in the early stages of the crisis. And now we're seeing this constant evolution. The fact that we, we frankly just don't know what's going to stay in the long term and what could have been just a possible, you know, immediate pivot because they had a need to fulfill and, you know, stores were closed. So there are still a lot of uncertainties around the long-term impact or influence of these, that the heart of the COVID crisis, so to speak, what behaviors in that period will stick in the long-term. And I think that that's a tall order for marketers to address and, and prepare for. So, so to that end, I mean, I'd like to get your take on the consumer behavior side, like what you're seeing from a data perspective and how that's kind of trickling down into marketing strategy and messaging and campaign uh, approaches because like you said there there are so many layers to this it, i feel like in the early stages of the process it was a lot of like very empathy driven marketing we're here for you and now i'm seeing data that people just want to kind of go back to business as usual so i mean break that down ho- however you think is best but i think the heart of what i want to understand is how are marketers uh, adapting now and what key consumer behaviors are they trying to build their strategy around when everything just still seems so uncertain? 
Yeah, I think that there's a lot of marketers who are revising their their brand messaging and their campaign approaches. The first thing I would say is that consumers don't want to be spoken to, but rather they want to be a part of the conversation. You know, there are, of course, significant differences in the expectations of, say, boomers versus millennials. But by and large, a trait shared across the generations is the shift in mentality from here is brand X on one side and here is me, the consumer, on the other side. The mentality across the generations is that we share the space and it is in how we share that space that the differences between the generations really manifest themselves. So one over overly simplified example of this is in the type of messaging that generations want to see. So boomers, for example, are more likely to accept traditional marketing tactics where a product is presented to them alongside its benefits. But millennials, on the other hand, they want to see more. They want to know more. They want to know whether or not the product was sourced in a sustainable way. They want to know where the company stands with its corporate social responsibility initiatives. And it's those same millennials that would be the most likely to be brand advocates and share their purchases on social media if the brand aligns with their values. And in doing so, they become part of the conversation. So to put it a little bit more succinctly, there are different drivers of brand loyalty, which is really what drives brand messaging. And those drivers are on a spectrum. So on the one end, we have transactional loyalty, which is more focused on spend X to get Y. And on the other end, we have emotional loyalty, which taps into your personal connection to the brand. So what is shared across that loyalty spectrum is that the consumer wants to know, are you delivering the value that I hope to get from you? So we are seeing brands shift their messaging to showcase what might be the most relevant value proposition to that individual. So for individual X, the value driver might simply be savings, whereas for individual Y, the value driver might be something else. So highlighting the why the brand is relevant to the individual and the value to the customer is where brands are taking their messaging. No, that's that's very helpful. So, so with that in mind, let's talk about channels too, because I, I think, you know, messaging is one thing that kind of drives everything that marketers do. But then there's also, okay, well, where do we, where do we place our bets, right? Like what channels, what tactics do we prioritize now? Because there, there's there been some very interesting pivots, I think, in terms of, you know, which outlets consumers are relying on. I, I saw some data this morning that Instagram is starting to outpace Twitter for news consumption, which is fascinating. So I couldn't assume that these types of shifts will will only be taking place in other ways. And to that end, as stores continue to reopen or in some cases reclose, right, um, as these cases begin to fluctuate and, and change in different areas. So, I mean, what can you say in terms of, you know, how these messaging strategies are applied across channels? Like where should retailers kind of place their bets right now? Yeah, this is a a really interesting topic, a a great question. Um, So earlier we were talking about how digital has had to shoulder the bulk of uh, of retail 
and that's what's resulted in the massive e-commerce growth that we're seeing, right? We're seeing a lot more engagement with different devices, different channels. So what I find interesting is that even pre-COVID, we expected e-commerce to grow. I think it was by about 13% that the prediction stood at last I checked, which was well ahead of non-e-commerce growth. And that e-commerce number will only go up due to COVID and changing consumer needs. In fact, I think eMarketer just updated their forecast to show a 16% increase in e-commerce, which is putting us about five years ahead of where we need to be. And it's these new channels or these new ways that customers are engaging with brands that's really driving that growth. So I think that in order to capture that share of wallet from the expected e-commerce growth, we're going to see increased investment in some digital channels. So I do think it's worth noting that across the retail landscape, marketing budgets are being reviewed. So in order to capture share of e-commerce growth and hedge against a slowing economy, I think retailers will focus on the channels that provide the largest ROI, right? That's pretty fundamental. And those channels, I think, are going to be email and mobile because those are the only two channels whose revenue share is larger than their investment share. So email in particular is the workhorse of digital marketing. So we're going to see increased investments there. A direct result of the current situation has been increased digital adoption. And so we're going to see two parallel tracks. On the one hand, we're going to have new to digital customers that will need to be educated on how to engage with the brand. And the messaging for these customers will be staunchly focused on getting them familiar with the digital offering. But on the other hand, the additional investments in digital channels will open up new capabilities that more digitally savvy customers will be able to take advantage of. So one aspect that I think will be shared across these two groups is uh, an increased focus on cross-channel journey orchestration. So the fact is that having a unified brand voice will become more important because of one simple fact, which is that as more companies level up their digital experiences, Customers will expect more from all of the brands that they engage with. And I think that the quickest way to sever a relationship with a customer is to fail to recognize them across channels and devices. So to put it differently and answer your question, yes, different channels will become more important, including email and mobile, but connecting the experiences will be even more so. Great. That kind of leads me to my follow-up question, and you may have already indirectly answered it, is around the role of mobility in the long term. Again, because I feel like we're we're dealing with so many different forces and, and so many different situations depending on the location of the consumer, right? So of course, when shelter-in-place orders were implemented, we saw this huge uptick in at-home internet usage, obviously, and more of a pivot to laptops and desktops. And now stores are starting to reopen. Those shelter-in-place orders have been lifted for the most part or are not as strict. People are starting to go to stores, right? So mobile has been deemed this centerpiece, so to speak, of, of customer experience because it's so intimate and it's so connected to the consumer at the individual level, right? It's in our pocket, it's in our hand, uh, more often in our hand. So, I mean, what's the long-term effect there for, for mobility specifically? Do you foresee that it will maintain that ever presence from a marketing standpoint? Will this require just more more deeper tracking and analysis to see where, where mobile's role stands in the future? What would love your take as far as how that trend specifically will evolve? 
Well, I'll, I'll start by saying I'm always an advocate of, of deeper analysis. So <laughs> uh, keep track of all the trends and all the reports and, and, and you know, you'll, you'll be able to make the right decisions. But I'll start with a short response to, to your question. The current shift resulting in increased digital adoption is here to stay. And a big part of that shift has been mobile. And the channel will continue to be a cornerstone of retail's digital strategy in order to meet customer expectations. So, you know, as you said, the big leap in at-home internet usage has manifested itself in different ways, including the use of laptops and desktops, but also mobile devices. So, you know, in the U.S., the percentage increase in use of laptops versus mobile devices, while these shelter-in-place orders have been in effect, are actually only two percentage points apart. They're very, very close. Interesting. So to me, it's all about convenience. If I'm home and my laptop is right next to me, I'm more likely to use it to read the news or watch a show simply because it has a bigger screen, right? It's more convenient. But the fact that mobile usage has increased during the same time period and at a similar rate as laptops, I think speaks volumes to how much consumers value the channel. You know, the data shows that Gen Z, millennials, and Gen X were actually the ones that reported the highest increase in laptop usage, all of them well ahead boomers. But they also reported increased mobile smartphone usage and that increase was for mobile was about two times what was reported for laptops. And that same report also showed 50% of boomers were using their smartphones more. So we can see that there's a massive generational component here. Gen Z were born in the digital era, and they're online on a near constant basis. As you said, we have our phones in our hands all the time. So you know, they're coming of age and they're going to account for about 40% of global consumers in 2020. So on a related note, millennials are also digitally savvy and younger millennials are also digital natives and they will exhibit similar behaviors as their Gen Z counterparts. And these millennials also have increased spending power. You know, I, I think it was last week or so that Critia published the results of a recent survey and they found that in the last six months, 60% of respondents had downloaded a retail shopping app and one third of respondents had downloaded a retail shopping app in just the last few weeks. They had also noted increased usage of retail shopping apps that was right in line with video streaming, social networking, and gaming. And this is all while the country is still experiencing these shelter-in-place orders. So in my opinion, The last few months have served as a digital boot camp, with more individuals becoming increasingly comfortable with mobile and carving into stone the importance of the channel. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how retailers take advantage of this opportunity and use it to drive customer engagement. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's a really good point that this situation has encouraged different consumers from from specifically older demographics to to try new things. I, I've heard so many stories of boomers finally trying online grocery shopping and they're like, hey, this is really easy. I'm not going to go to a store again. So it'll be interesting to see again what that long tail effect will be for digital channels and new tools, applications. So to that end, you know, we've been seeing a lot of buzz around some of the 
new cool technologies. AR has been getting a lot of noise lately, I think largely because of the gap that it can fill around like the touch and feel retail experience, like cosmetic brands are, are really embracing it. But would love your opinion on which apps, technologies, et cetera, really pose the most engagement opportunities. I mean, you're, you're, of course, looking at this through the lens of marketing. So so your response may be a little bit different there, but would love to see, you know, what everyone listening should maybe look a little bit closer into or possibly assess how they can, you know, capitalize on these new channels to market to and engage their consumers. Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's very interesting to look at how retailers have adapted their strategies due to COVID. And I think that a lot of things that were considered bells and whistles became extremely important overnight. So the two that you've mentioned are two of the, the, the technologies that I think will be very important moving forward. So to your point, in an attempt to deliver these engaging experiences, retailers are leveraging these immersive technologies like AR and VR to bring products to life. So for AR, as you mentioned, the idea is that through these technologies, consumers are going to have the capability to project products or go on virtual tours and it's all from the comfort of their home. So I really like, for example, Wayfair and Ikea, who have AR-enabled shopping that allows buyers to visualize furniture in their own home before purchase. So rather than browsing pages or relying on generic videos and images to gauge products, consumers can view products in a 3D environment and actually see how the product will look in their home. And then from a VR perspective, I think this is where the most opportunity exists because of the immersive nature of the technology. So so yes, there is the obstacle of needing a headset in order to partake in the experience, but there's so many interesting use cases that might come about. The one that stood out to me was uh, Tom's Shoes. So you may be familiar with their one-for-one giving model, which is where they give a pair of free shoes to a child in a developing country for every pair purchased by a customer. So to bring that to life, Tom's developed this 360-degree virtual giving trip campaign that gave customers the opportunity to experience firsthand the impact of their purchase. So in the VR experience, customers are transported directly to Peru with panoramic views of schools and kids receiving boxes of shoes. So this really drives home the impact of the purchase, and it also serves to instill brand loyalty. And then shifting a little bit to add to the two great technologies that you brought up, we're also seeing an increase in virtual appointments. So being able to book time with a personal shopper to walk through different product options or perhaps simply to answer questions. And this has become increasingly important because of the closing of physical retail, but it doesn't take much imagination to see its value from a convenience perspective. Once stores reopen, appointment setting will be a tool to control crowds and provide a safer shopping experience in-store. We saw it being used by retailers like Best Buy over the last few weeks. And even once stores reopen fully, this appointment setting technology will still make sense from a customer convenience perspective by being able to book when you're going to pick up your buy online, pick up in-store order. Or if you still want to do it virtually, you'll be able to do things from the comfort of your own home without, without having to step into a physical store. So I think 
these new ways of consuming content and media are really redefining the retail experience in a fundamental way and are going to continue to do so even as stores reopen. That's great. So you you mentioned omni-channel orchestration earlier in our conversation. I really do think that's central, right, to keeping the brand top of mind as consumers go across channels. Now more than ever, these cross-device behaviors are present. And I think, you know, that that's only going to accelerate even as stores continue to reopen and as retailers continue to reimagine what that store experience looks like and how technology, especially to your point that the digital appointment setting capabilities can help fuel and facilitate those experiences. So how will the rules of omni-channel orchestration or the rules of success kind of change in conjunction with these ongoing shifts in behaviors and just new realities that retailers are dealing with? Are are you having any conversations right now around what that future looks like from a marketing standpoint? Yeah. So I think the overarching goal remains the same. You know, the ideal state is to provide the customer an experience that is unified regardless of channel. The rule has been and will continue to be to focus on creating a frictionless shopping experience. And I think the biggest change that we can expect is actually going to happen inside the brands and retailers. So what we're going to see is reorgs to better align channels, and we're going to see a rescoping of team goals and KPIs. So one thing that I've come across with all the brands that I've been chatting with over the last few months was the friction between teams and channels. So for example, email teams are hesitant to feature in-store content for fear that the consumer will decide to transact offline, and so the email channel won't be credited for the sale. And similarly, some in-store teams aren't very happy with the use of the mobile app while in-store because they don't want the sale to happen digitally. The reality is that many team goals are not aligned across channels, and I think part of the reason is that Many retailers are relying on what can best be described as archaic metrics. I think that there is going to be a sharper focus moving forward on multi-touch attribution as well as tying online to in-store. Because if that doesn't happen, the inherent friction between channels will permeate into the customer experience and cross-channel orchestration is going to be very difficult to do at scale. You know, I think that COVID has further underscored the need for this cross-channel orchestration. Sort of going back to the last question around new technologies, I'm reminded of, of a great example of this being done really well, and it's from Suit Supply. So in order to reduce the concentration of in-store guests, Suit Supply implemented a guided virtual experience to help customers pre-select items for store visits, and they did that via co-browsing sessions with live style experts. So this made the shopping journey a lot more convenient and seamless. And what I think is interesting is that consumers were not gambling on product availability, but rather guaranteeing their selections would be waiting for them when they do come into the store for a fitting. And the brand even went as far as adding an optional appointment booking tool to reserve prepared fitting rooms and private shopping suites. So I think this is a great example of how digital and in-store can work together if their goals are aligned. So the short of it is that if the channels are not incentivized to work together, in the end, 
it's going to be the customer experience that suffers. Absolutely. And that who gets credit for the sale has been an ongoing point of tension, I feel like, not just for marketing, but also for just measuring success, right? And I I know this whole notion of being data-driven. We've talked about it a few times during our conversation. I know just inside conversations that I've been having, being data-driven has always been the essence of, of what makes a good marketer or a good content marketer. You let the results kind of guide your strategy and where it needs to go. I'm curious, do you think that this situation is almost reaffirming and accelerating the urgency surrounding being more data-driven, again, tying it back to, you know, where are our consumers? Where are they spending? Where are they browsing? But also what messaging is resonating with them? Do you foresee all teams kind of rallying together around this let the data do the talking and guide us mentality? Absolutely. I think we're going to see a stronger focus on making sure that everybody is sort of playing off of the same data set and that everybody has access to that data to be able to action off of it. Now, I think that the importance of data-driven marketing is clear to all of us. But what I think COVID has done is really highlight weaknesses in the organization's data strategies. So the dynamic nature of this current situation required quick reaction times. And there were so many brands that simply could not keep up. So marketing communications were going out with incorrect information on prices, on stock availability, shipping expectations, and so on. And so we also saw many automated marketing touch points like email triggers that had to be completely shut down because they could not be easily updated with the correct data. So I think this is one of the many reasons why we are seeing increased investments in digital transformation. Companies realize that they need to be able to action on data much more quickly. And to do that, the infrastructure needs to change to give marketers more control of the data. So to answer your question, yes, COVID has reinforced the importance of data-driven marketing, but more importantly, it has underscored the flaws that really need to be fixed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Before we get into some closing thoughts and recommendations, Julio, especially as we look forward to uh, holiday planning, which I'm sure a lot of folks listening are like, how can I even think about that right now? But it's the reality. Would love your take on what you think is going to happen in the long term, especially around marketing and advertising budgets, because there has been some very interesting pivots, some some slashing of budgets, like you said, teams needing to, to be more nimble and scrappy, so to speak. Do you think this is just going to be a new longstanding reality or, or, or what what predictions do you have as far as the future of the marketing team? Yeah, You know, I think it's not a surprise that in times of financial hardship, budgets are looked at much more closely. And budgets are also largely a function of performance. So we can, of course, expect changes. I was reading that some of the most optimistic recovery scenarios are placing the economic turnaround within nine months. But even if recovery were to happen that fast, spend on media, marketing technology, marketing services, agencies, and even internal headcount is going to decline well into 2021. And the reason for that is that on average, marketing trails macroeconomic trends by about three to four months. Where I do think we will see increased spending is in marketing automation tools, 
since they will allow for more personalized touch points to be delivered without the need for additional headcount. And I also think that where the remaining budget is allocated to will need to change. So depending on the retail category a brand is in, customer acquisition costs can be very, very high. But regardless of category, customer retention costs are generally much lower. So I think we are going to see increased allocation of budget towards what I said before, which is channels like email and mobile, because they serve as retention tools. And we're going to see a greater reduction in paid media and programmatic. So to reiterate what I mentioned earlier, I think that we're going to have a staunch focus on capturing a share of e-commerce growth, but the budgets will need to focus on the channels that deliver the the highest ROI. Yep. That's great. So to close out again, Julio, this has been a fantastic conversation. I feel like we could talk for hours about the nuances of marketing (laughs) and, and where it's going, where it could go, what the opportunities are. But let's start talking about the future. I mean, I'm sure a lot of folks listening now may be asking, okay, how do I apply all of this to my go forward strategy, to my holiday strategy? So I guess this is kind of like a two prong question. One, do you have any closing words of advice? And two, are there any key areas that or opportunities that you think the marketers listening now need to zero in on to set their path forward? successfully? Yeah. So as far as key areas that retailers need to zero in on, I would say agility. So we touched on this a bit, but what COVID has done is, as we said before, accelerated digital transformation in an unprecedented way. So as retailers are bucking the status quo and they're beginning to be more innovative, many are only doing it because they literally had no other choice. So what this means is that the old school mentality likely still permeates within the organization, and that needs to fundamentally change. You know, one of the guests you've had on this podcast, Steve Dennis from Sageberry Consulting, just shared in his most recent Forbes article that the retailers that will survive will be the ones that rewire their processes to say yes more often and aggressively foster a culture of experimentation. And that is inherently tied to agile workflows. So brands and retailers really need to zero in on that. And then as far as final words of advice, I would say you can't do this alone. The changes that COVID has made necessary and the weaknesses in the supply chain and marketing and fulfillment processes that has uncovered are too large to manage alone. So I think this is the time to work with your strategic partners and vendors to align on a unified strategy. As you look to forge a path forward, you need to create a coalition of your best MarTech partners to foster collaboration and transparency, and that's going to result in winning strategies. Love that. Yeah, we've been having a lot more conversations with the broader retail community, and and we're seeing a greater willingness, I think, to share both successes and failures, recommendations. And it's been really encouraging to see this collective community from all areas of the industry kind of come together and figure out what to do, right? Like, what are the next best paths forward? What can folks do in the short and long term to see success and how can they better collaborate? So I think that's a great point to close in on. But if folks want to learn more about you, the work you do, get some more insights and thought leadership, where where can they go? 
<laughs> well, thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts and uh, to guide people to where they can learn more about us. So all the thought leadership that Movable Link's client strategy team creates is featured on our site at movablelink.com forward slash resources. And you can also subscribe to our podcast, which is Ink Tank, and it's available through all the podcasting platforms. So please take a look. We publish new content regularly. Awesome, Julia. I love the podcast name. I love a good pun. Thank you again so much for uh, taking the time out. Again, just a really fascinating conversation, an important one, especially now as we start to figure out where our strategies are going to go into the next quarter and into holiday. So thank you again so much for uh, taking the time out. Yeah, this was wonderful. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for having me on the Retailer Remix. Great. And thanks everyone out there for listening. Take care and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Retail Remix. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on your favorite podcast player. Until next time, keep mixing it up.